0: Hey, folks. I'm Tom. I'm Keith. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us give this pitch before, but we're going to go ahead and throw another fastball at you because the Dunlap Champions Club is where you
1: should be each and every Florida State home game. If you've never tried it, you've got to do it at least once. You do it one time, you'll be hooked it comes with shade that's key it comes with chair backs
0: it comes with all the food you can eat which keith and i don't need but that is one of the perks of it but it's a really good experience and many of you have been in there socially maybe outside of a game so you've seen the space
1: some of you still haven't been in the space you need to call and take a tour the ability to watch the game from your chair to go inside where it's cool to get food to get drink to see people and 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 socialize to whatever degree that's (laughs) important to you dozens and dozens of televisions on the wall you won't miss anything plus you can look out the glass and see from from uh, the fourth floor again it's a place you ought to go and give it a chance
0: for your tickets for a tour for more information 644-1830 and now without further ado front row Hello everybody, Tom and KJ back again. Keith, the big story, the big news everybody's talking about. We are
1: less than one week away from basketball season. <laughs> well played. Tuesday night at uh, 9 o'clock, FSU and the Gators, and men's basketball it's, kicks off. You are correct. It's Gator hate week, right? That's all anybody's <laughs> talking about. Uh, well, we know what
0: everybody's talking about. I don't know that uh, you and I can come up with anything that'll make anybody feel better or make us feel better, but uh, we'll be part of the conversation. So we, we already debriefed immediately following the game now we 've uh, done whatever we do in terms of therapy to try and feel better as we 've
1: reached the midpoint of the week, so where are you well i 'm in the middle of decompressing. How about that? Uh, I got pretty worked up and and was along with many agitated uh, at the conclusion of the ball game Saturday against Clemson, not so much about the score but but what I was seeing on the field. We've seen some um, fallout from that. We'll talk about that as the show progresses. Um, I'm not sure I feel any better. Uh, I think many of the things that I said immediately after the game that you echoed as well, uh, Coach Taggart has uh, begun the process of addressing. Uh, but it's much like I was trying to think of an analogy. It's much like you know if it's a fourth and two on the 28-yard line of the opponent and you're down by two kick the field goal to go for it. If you're down by five, kick the field goal to go for it. We make our decisions based on things. And then we can say, yep, that was the right decision, to go for it or not go for it. But then we argue about the play that was called if they didn't make it. Well, Coach Taggart's done the right thing in disciplining the two kids that got in the fight. He's saying the right things about he's going to bench the kids that didn't give effort. But I'm not sure he's going far enough, at least on the first one, because I don't think half a game represents anything, in my opinion. Does not send the message to the level that I would send it. And he preferred not to discuss, at least to date, who he might be benching, who he might be starting, who might be getting more playing time. And I respect that. That's his right to do that. But I'll wait till I get to Raleigh and see what happens there as to whether he fulfills that to the degree that I think I would do it. How's that for a long time? answer to a, to a
0: topic it's a long answer and you and i can throw out names if we want to do that i do think it's not as easily determined to just look at the
1: tape maybe it is in your mind to say this guy quit if you're talking about physically quit uh it's pretty easy in the tape you you've not no offense but you've not sat in there particularly when the coaches are sitting around you can run that tape back and forth two or three times. Well, then let me rephrase it this You can, you can tell Ray, real quickly. I think, it, it, it will be as blatant I think the as tape, the two kids in the North Carolina game. Then maybe what I'm saying is that the tape
0: looks different than what we witnessed or saw perhaps firsthand or thought we saw. I, I mean, I just think it's going to – I mean, because he walked it back a little bit on Monday compared to what he discussed on Saturday.
1: And that's my problem. I don't think you walk it back – if anything, you walk it forward my, my pro- once you look at the tape.
0: I, to me, the bigger issue is, and clearly physically quitting is an issue, I felt like, and everybody in the stadium felt like, as soon as the roughing the kicker penalty occurred, the game was over. That The the, the win, there was no sound from the crowd. I mean, it was like the cheerleaders weren't cheering as hard. The team was certainly dead, and it was 7 nothing early in the second quarter. And so to me, and you can agree or disagree with if that's when it happened, that's a quitting mentally, uh, you know, that's even more egregious than quitting physically. And that, to me, has well, been quitting, the problem. Quitting starts mentally.
1: But but that's... Fatigue makes yeah, cowards so, of all of us.
0: Yeah, so you can lump them in together or not. But to me, that's where it started, not necessarily in the second half because a guy... Uh, wasn't going 100% when he was trying to cover somebody or run his route or make a block or that sort of thing and pro- I don't and I, I don't know how that gets fixed I feel like that's the same issue that's been here
1: the last couple of years I mean we signed promise notes a couple of years ago after a game The the problem is is certainly a cultural one and maybe even bigger than a football but it goes back to a very simple premise you recruit all these five-star and four-star kids The vast majority of them have not experienced difficulty in their life. They've had a pretty easy life from an athletic standpoint. They were the most gifted athletically for a long time, bigger, faster, stronger. They've played in programs that have had success. They've been told how good they are. They've been on ESPN. They've been on television, et cetera, et cetera. You you don't know how you're going to respond to adversity until you've experienced adversity. And these kids haven't. And therefore, when they experience their first adversity, they quit. That's a product of two things. Number one, you gotta do a better job in recruiting. I don't I don't want a bunch of but five here, stars. Listen to me. I don't want a bunch of five stars. Oh, you've always maintained. I want this. I some four that. stars and some three stars. I'm tired of all the thoroughbreds. I want some mules. I was one. And I want I want some stud I want some time spent. At their, at their church, at the Boys and Girls Club, at who their eighth grade coach was and their sixth grade coach was. How do these kids grow up? What did they do? What Are there things in their life? Did someone get hurt along the way? Did someone overcome an adversity? Did someone suffer a death and had to work through it? I'd rather recruit a four or a three star that's got some life experiences than a five star that's never faced adversity. Because when times get tough, if you've not been through it before, you quit. But I don't disagree with any of that.
0: And clearly, we could have a much longer conversation about evaluating and, and recruiting. I mean, if you look at the end of the Bowden era, the the simplified answer right now is, oh, they still got five stars, but they were the five stars that nobody wanted, you know. And so now you're basically saying the same thing. They're recruiting at a high level. They are recruiting rankings higher than what Clemson's had. I mean, every year that Dabo's been there, Florida State's out-recruited Dabo. But it didn't look like that on Saturday. What I would say is this. So to your point about adversity, just to clarify, and I think this is what you meant, uh, they hadn't experienced adversity until they got here. Because the guys on this team have experienced adversity every year they've been here on the field. Yes. I mean, mean, Saturday was not the first time that they were staring at getting hammered. two years ago they
1: quit. Right. And last year they quit. We just didn't call it that. This year it was so blatant that we're calling it quitting. I
0: do, I do find it interesting that when Jimbo was here, everybody hated the fact that Jimbo wouldn't admit that the team quitted. Quitted is "quitted" a word? <laughs> I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit this show if I keep saying "quitted." That the team quit, uh, and everybody was annoyed by that. And now everybody's annoyed that Coach Taggart came out and indicated that his team quit. So you, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I,
1: I will tell you, based on the older former players that I have talked to, without exception every one of them has said that the coach has the right to call out the kids and identify the ones that quit. The, the protecting well, well, players is a new thing, Well, whether not he, an old thing. Whether
0: he says it in a press conference or not, it'll show up on Saturday when we see who's lined up and we see how significant the changes are. And we'll talk later in the show maybe about um, who it could be, who it might be. Clearly, at one receiver position, we know we're not going to see Nooney for a half, so you're going to see more a DJ or more a Trayshawn Harrison or Keyshawn Helton or somebody. Um, let's go big picture because of the guests that we have coming up. Now, we don't know at this point. Coach Taggart has the name names. We don't know how many changes he's going to make. But we're going to do a history lesson here, which is, I think, what we bring to the table, Keith, maybe more so than some of the other outlets out there um, at, at times. We're going to go way back to Bobby Bowden's first year, which even predates you. So we're talking... Just about prehistoric, although don't tell our guests, our next guest, that, right? Sorry, Joe. Um, Nineteen seventy-six, and FSU fans will remember this. FSU was zero and two and uh, had lost i think 47 nothing in miami and bobby bowden decided it was time to make a change and he went and sat six veteran starters and replaced them with freshmen in the lineup and they went to oklahoma and competed uh well enough that they could have won that game truthfully if you go back and look at it and thus turned the culture and and bobby started having success you might argue that when you were eligible, that's when the success really started. But most of us would point to that that change, which was – and the reason we're going to have this conversation is because you're at a point right now where Coach Taggart could make a similar decision and say, players A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, you're all done, and we're going to play these seven guys from my recruiting class last year.
1: And, and I think that's what he needs to do. I'm fortunate enough that of the six or seven kids that Coach Bowden played in Norman that day, uh, all but a couple of them, ended up being teammates of mine because of the way things worked out. Uh, So I got to know them, and I actually had conversations with them. I've I've talked to them about what that meant and what it meant to them that that Coach Bowden would put them in that position as a freshman above someone that was an upperclassman. And the, the kids that he started that day, we won't go into their names because we've missed somebody, but you could go down the list of those kids And uh, there's a a physician, there's a successful software uh, owner, distributor, uh, there's a successful coach, just to name the first three that come to my mind. Every one of those kids had unbelievable FSU careers. Most of them are in the Hall of Fame and have gone on in life to have unbelievable lives because coach Bowden had faith in them and they proved that that faith was well-placed and they performed and maybe just maybe we may see a similar thing in the Taggart era. I know it's years later and uh, some of you may
0: be rolling your eyes. You don't want to go back this far, but it is good context because even though we're in a completely different age from social media and entitlement and all that uh, at the end of the day, uh, decisions like that can make significant changes and uh, Bobby made it, and it, it altered the career trajectory, the life trajectory of what FSU football is, you can argue. Uh, I would I agree. mean, if, if I those changes aren't made, and he instead of going 5-6 his first year, he goes 2-9, and nine. who knows what 77, 78, 79, and 80 look like. I agree. We'll talk with the gentleman who was one of the team captains on Bobby Bowden's first team in 1976 when we continue on Front Row Knowles.
2: Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles, and we crank up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we say hello to... uh, big-time FSU guy has been around these parts for a long time. Dr. Joe Camps is with us, a former university trustee, well-known physician here in town, and captain, one of them, of Bobby Bowden's very first team in 1976. Joe, how are you, sir?
3: I'm doing great.
0: How are you doing today? We are doing great, and we really appreciate a few minutes of your time. And, you know, Keith and I set this up last segment a little bit, and and, uh, when I reached out to you, and even now, we don't know you know how many changes will be made Saturday what they'll look like but we we do know that historically you were part of a team and and played for a coach that made significant changes early in his tenure that uh as we look back probably significantly altered uh, the trajectory of what FSU football became and I'm talking about when he he benched six or seven starters replaced them with freshmen as you guys went to Oklahoma in 1976 so what do you remember about how that all played out, how the announcement was made, uh, you know what the veterans on the team thought, that the freshmen were going to be starting. Uh, just just walk us down memory lane a little bit.
3: Well, I think you know it, it came as a little bit of a shock uh, because you know most upperclassmen expect to play, and they had been planned. But um, you know we we had some issues with discipline back then. I can recall you know sometimes we didn't get the effort and. I think in coach's mind, he felt like, um, you know, if, if he was going to um, have issues of that nature, he'd rather just uh, start out with give some of the freshmen an opportunity to learn, get them on the field, and uh, hopefully, you know, come back in the spring and, uh, and 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 work hard again with some more experience. And the outcome, um, I think, in his mind, would be beneficial. And I think. If you really look at what really happened from '76 um, uh, on on uh, forward, uh, Florida State uh, had an incredible run. So, I think Coach Bowden, uh, you know, he was uh, he believed in discipline, and uh, I, I think if you really look at some of the basis uh, of of what I've seen uh, over the last a uh, few weeks, and I'm sure. Uh, Coach Taggart, uh, you know, came out with that. You know, we've we've had some evidence of um, non-discipline uh, football play, uh, making those minimal mistakes. And, you know, we used to keep all sorts of stats. For instance, for every seven missed tackles, Keith, you know this, it ends up in a touchdown and things that most fans don't realize. But when you break the film down and you watch segments uh, of the game, uh, you see where – um uh disciplined football needs needs to be played to give you a chance to win. And I think that, you know, Coach Bowden realized that and he just went ahead and, and pulled the trigger and uh it, it worked out to be uh, quite successful uh, for him. You know, we were pretty lean then because as you know, uh under Larry Jones, they had a real tough off season program and about twenty upperclassmen um uh, left the football team. And so I remember coming in, and, and a lot of us got to play uh, really early. And so I had been, you know, starting for three years uh, um, uh, my senior year. Um, and was, some of that came because I got to play early. So I think it just gets kids on the field. It, it, it helps develop um, the mindset that you're looking for. And I'm sure uh, that's a direction that. Um, that Coach Taggart is heading into, and he's obviously seen it work, and it certainly worked back in 1976.
1: Joe, one of the biggest things that remains consistent, whether it's uh, 40 years ago or in 2018, is the l- biggest leverage a coach has over a player is playing time. That's and, correct. And when you sit, guys, you mentioned it came as a little bit of a shock. You know, a lot of times these upperclassmen don't believe it can happen to them. And once it does happen, it gets their attention. It gets everybody's attention. And uh, there's no getting around the fact that uh, you've got a kid playing in front of you that that is younger than you, and it sends a very direct message to your ball club.
3: It really does. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, sometimes you don't know the complete fallout, but you have to be prepared for that. Because, you know, as you know, Keith, sometimes that leads to an exodus from the team, but you know, you you might need some of that to change the culture. I mean, if you are, if you're losing with the, 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 the culture that you have, um, you've got to change it. And I know that our coach is aware of that. And uh, I've seen uh, many programs turning around. And as you say, sometimes you have to do something drastic to change the mentality. Because uh, you know, if you if you stay par for the course, you're going to get probably the same. Uh, Uh, result and as you know in my opinion uh, Florida State's pretty much been undisciplined in our football play now for the last two or three years and um, we're still dealing with some of those issues in my opinion Um, because I look at the game I'm sure you do from a real technical perspective and I I watch things that get you beat and um, certainly the field position last Saturday and some of the the mistakes uh, actually uh, I think cost us momentum and 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 we didn't seem to have the discipline to to keep hanging in there and hope something good happens as you know but uh, um, we sort of went down here after the uh, after the first quarter
0: Joe can you remember back to after that Oklahoma game when the changes were made and you guys competed and frankly, you know, could have, I want, I, it was a little before my time. I won't say should have won, but what I've read, you certainly could have won that game. Did, did that, that change, did it immediately resonate and carry over in practice that, Hey, we, we can compete at this level and completely alter the court. Cause you went from, I guess, I guess after that loss, you were Oh, and three, but then you wound up winning, you know, five of the next seven games or something like that. Five of the next eight. Well,
3: I'll never forget that, uh, uh, that, uh, That game, uh, I think that game changed uh, um, not certainly the momentum on the team, but it also changed uh, how we felt about ourselves uh, that we could compete at a high level. And I'll never forget um, going out on the field and I I, I was, uh, you know, one of the captains and I was was looking at the belly button of uh, one of their big offensive tackles. So I buckled my chin strap up a little bit. I said, you know, This is going to be tough. These are some big boys. I mean, they're eating a lot of beef out here. But I tell you, we fought hard that day. I mean, I was real proud of my my colleagues and our coaches. And, you know, I think it brought us uh, closer together. It gave us confidence. Uh, Sometimes, you know, when you're a little scared, you know this, sometimes you give it a little bit more effort. No question. uh, No question. and, And then once you begin to build on that, um, you gain confidence, and uh, sometimes you need something to, to spark the team to, to really believe in themselves, and we started really believing in ourselves and ended up, I, I thought, uh, really turning the program at that point. And so uh, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll get this catalyst along the way and just not, you know, just sort of throw in the towel from here on out because, I mean, we can salvage the season. And I tell you, with some of the opponents that are having pretty good seasons this year, uh, I think we could turn uh, pretty much maybe a non-productive situation into one that could be quite productive. And my prediction would be it would probably help us in our recruiting and certainly help the mentality as we go into the spring of next year.
0: Well, we appreciate the perspective, Joe. And uh, you talk about turning the culture and helping in recruiting. I mean, it, it may have been that game in Norman that led to a quarterback from Wildwood, Florida, who now sits next to me, deciding to sign and play at <laughs> Florida State.
3: Well, he was uh, he was uh, he was a heck of a football player. And sometimes, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm sure Coach Taggart and his staff will be looking for are football players. You know, sometimes. You know, people get all the stars. You know, this is a a four-star, five-star. And as you recall, apparently our classes were very good. But um, uh, I think anybody that's played the game knows that we need football players. Uh, And football players means you may not have quite as much talent, but with the effort and with the discipline um, and and a team concept, uh, you'll be surprised at the accomplishments that can occur.
0: Well said. Dr. Joe Camps, uh, captain of Bobby Bowden's very first team at Florida State in 1976. Thanks so much for the perspective, Joe.
3: Thank you. You guys have a great uh, rest of the season, and I, I wish my Seminoles well. Go Seminoles!
0: Thanks, Joe. All righty, there Thank you go. Thank you. Uh, he just echoed your comments uh, 100% entirely, completely about the star. You've, you've always railed on the star system, and... Uh, I don't disagree. There's a lot of outlets that make a lot of money selling recruiting. And uh, anytime I hear about who's on a visit and all that, I've just been around long enough to say, let me see what he looks like when he's in pads playing for FSU. Would be the most recent example. That was a huge deal that Taggart got him in four days right when he got here. A lot of hype. He's coming. The further away a kid comes from, the better he is. That just adds to it. No question. Um, and so he was highly hyped. There's a lot of excitement. I said, okay, well, let's see him play. Then they started in spring practice. And all of a sudden, people said, he can play. He can play. And then Taggart was asked by somebody, you know, who's most likely to be president someday on this team? And he says, would be. Now, that got my attention. You're talking about a freshman who hadn't been here. Point being, I've just been around it long enough, Keith. I don't get excited about any of the rankings or who's here. If, if, if the entire All-American team, high school All-American team committed to Florida State, that's great. Let me see him play. Ditto. (laughs) I mean, that's just where you and I are on the No question. Yeah, because, I mean, this is where we are, and we've seen it a couple times. I mean, because back to your point from the first segment um, about the stars and all this, I mean, there's – in specific to here, there's, there's plenty of other programs that have recruited well but have not had the lack of success of late in terms of end result that Florida State's had. So something's going on there.
1: And it can be done. It can you, be you done. Look that's at what that's Saban's a better way to put it. You look at what Jimbo or Dabo's doing at Clemson. Uh, you look at some of the other programs around the country. It can be done. It's not easy. I would submit to you that nobody does it the same way. Alabama does it different than Clemson. That does it different than someone else you just can't lose focus you can't tolerate you cannot allow you cannot allow the cancer once you've identified it to spread and like most things related to cancer the way you get rid of it is you get rid of it and we've reached that point
0: thinking about the guys that were here in 13 you know alpha dogs is the saying that comes out and that is one thing that there hasn't been as many of and that came together in twenty thirteen when you had Telvin and Jalen and Lamarcus. And Jameis. I mean, it was a deep list, and there haven't been enough of those guys. Well, it, you know, to expound on what that means, it, it's guys that uh, put fear in the hearts of their teammates, and so their teammates are going to step up and mind their P's and Q's because otherwise they're disappointing Telvin and Jalen and the other. And I don't know that there's been enough of those guys. I agree with that, that as well. On top of the fact that they're NFL talents, those guys I, I mentioned. I agree
1: with that as well. I mean, it, it, is, it is a combination of things, not a single thing, and all of them have to be worked on at the same time. Do you know what will make us feel better, Keith? I'm going to think maybe $2 tacos somewhere. Is that, is well, that... they have those every
0: Thursday at Township. But I was just going And what's today? Uh, today is Wednesday. So tomorrow is Thursday. And if you participate in adult trick-or-treating tonight at Madison Social... I will down, not be doing that. But if you do, that probably makes the $2 taco taste even better tomorrow at you Township. you dress your dog, by the way? No. No. I'm and I'm not even scoring any points cuz I don't even have a costume for tonight. So, you know, but my kids are starting to get a little older. They don't care anymore. They've realized that I'm what they're stuck with and <laughs> it's just not getting any better. <laughs> kind of like this show. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Linnefelt joins us next on Front Row Knowles.
2: I, I want to watch you please. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Oh,
0: no, I didn't know Keith was going to sing. Well, new music means uh, two things. It uh, means we're coming off a loss. On the bright side, it means our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, uh, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? I, I'm only doing average, frankly. Yeah,
2: well. Changes!
0: <laughs> and, and now I'm doing worse. Uh, <laughs> it's It's been a rough week all around. And uh, we count on you during this 10 minutes to, to lift our spirits.
1: So, Make us feel better. Make us feel better. What you got?
4: I mean, it's a beautiful day. The weather's been nice. Halloween is tonight. Do you guys like Halloween? No. No? Uh, well,
1: that's I, what
0: I, I got for you. I, yeah, well, that's what you got. All right. So um, we're middle of the week. DeAndre Francois got dinged last week. He's missed some practice time. Uh, are we at the point where we think Blackman is going to be the starter this week?
4: I mean, I think it's possible. You know, uh, we'll still kind of in wait and see mode i mean he is at practice he is attending practice uh, as far as we can tell during the open portion uh he's not throwing and uh, and james Blackman is uh, is taking the first team reps so um you know certainly that leaves up in the possibility well, you know they probably wait and see how uh, how Thursday goes before they make a final determination but i do know that uh, that Willie Taggart said uh, earlier this week that you know in order to, to start a quarterback he would have to take to practice, and I think you said take the majority of the of the first team reps, and at least to this point, um, that hasn't happened. So um, you know I, we don't know for sure, but uh, but I, I'd say it's certainly on the table at this point.
0: And you know the way things have gone, and this is not a knock on DeAndre, but but maybe a switch in general. I mean, this one would come because of uh, medical reasons, I guess. But uh, you know the offense has struggled so much that I think you can make a pretty strong argument that making some changes, whether it's there or at other positions, and, and we'll talk about that next um you know what do you have to lose sort of at at this point
4: yeah i think that's probably fair uh you know like like you said it's um maybe not really a knock on anybody but uh you know worth trying something seeing if there's a spark seeing if there's uh, you know any 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 gear uh, that he can find or whatever the case may be i mean i do think you know for what it's worth i mean it's a a pretty difficult uh, circumstance for him to come into if if he is in fact the starting quarterback this weekend uh, at NC State. They're talking about a guy who uh, hasn't really played all year. Has has um, I think he's thrown four passes, either four or five passes, and you ask him to come in and, and start uh, on the road in an ACC game against a team that you know, maybe isn't as good as they were billed as a few weeks ago, but it's still uh, you know a, a, a reasonably solid opponent and a difficult place to play. Uh, that's a that's a pretty big ask, don't you think? I think so. It, it but, is.
0: It but, is. But, but, you know, the irony, and I'll let Keith weigh in, uh, is it more difficult than last year when he got his first ever start against NC State and had never played a game and had three weeks since fall camp and, and, and the Alabama game and all that? So it's kind of interesting that he might get that opportunity again against the same team. Go ahead,
1: Keith. Tim, continuing down that thing, uh, talking about change it, um, will the changes be evident? Will we Will we notice – what the staff has done within maybe the first quarter of the game on Saturday
3: hey, in, terms in terms of, terms of personnel we're, we're do p- you think? changing
1: personnel.
4: I don't know. Uh I you know, I think that's kind of the the question that we uh we're all curious to see, right? Um you know, I can tell you that uh if they are um that if they if they are making those changes, uh they're keeping them pretty mum. You know, uh Willie Taggart and his press contractor this week kind of declined to to get too much into specifics, we do know that Nyquan Murray and Taquandre White won't play in the first half um, based on what happened against Clemson. But beyond that, we don't really know. And, you know, look, man, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's a difficult um, line to walk, I guess, because I know there's a lot of folks out there clamoring, you know, just sit all the veterans and then go with the youth movement and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but a few things is one, I mean, you you do have to feel the team, you know what I mean? Like they still got to you know bring guys out there and there are some positions where they're thin enough that you you really can't make wholesale changes, uh, even if you might like to. Um, And then two, you know, it's not as if um, just bringing in first and second year players with no experience is going to be some sort of magic cure-all. And so I know it all sounds nice and easy, you know, on this side of it, but man, um, you know, seeing what can happen when you, if you, if you were to go just for the sake of discussion, you know, heavy with, with true freshmen or inexperienced players, I mean, you're talking about, your next two weeks going to one of the most difficult places to play in the ECC, and then a night game at Notre Dame. Um, You know, you're really kind of opening yourself up there, right? Um, uh, And so uh, it's it's a difficult line, I think, to walk between, um, you know, making those evident changes and then also trying to make the best of of what you've had so far.
1: If there's one, and, and this is probably just me wishing, but if there's one redeeming thing about the game on Saturday relative to this thing called playing in Raleigh, a, it's not a Thursday, and B, it's not at night. And, yeah. and those yeah. have been the two most common things that have caused Florida states to have problems in uh, Carter-Finley Stadium. Uh, you're getting them on Saturday in the afternoon, and uh, maybe I'm just wishing and grabbing at straws, but but that's encouraging to me.
4: I think it helps, absolutely. And it seems like, you know, for a while there they were always, uh, either Thursday games or, or night games, and, and, you know, you get people. And then, you know, infamous for uh, the, the stadium that allows reentry after halftime and uh, and all the implications thereof. Uh, the folks can go out to the parking lot and, you know, take a breather, I guess. Uh, so, you know, maybe with a 330 kick. Is that, uh, that what the young people as. call it these days, taking a breather? <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking you know, you've a lot of options, that's all. Uh, but uh, um, But, yeah, maybe that'll be mitigated some. Uh, maybe not as much as it, as it would be with a noon game. But, uh, but yeah, and you know as well, what's interesting about this? is I mean, NC State, you know, Florida State needs this game, but NC State needs it too. I mean, they were ranked in the top 15 um, two weeks ago. They got, you know, beat really bad by Clemson, and uh, who hasn't at this point? And then uh, you lose on the road to uh, to Syracuse. And so, you know, they're riding a the losing streak too and looking to get back on track. Uh, and so, you know, there's, there's, there's kind of some stakes uh, to this game.
0: And when you look at NC State, they've got a really good quarterback in Ryan Finley. And what they do with their passing game is basically, you know, two steps and the ball's out. So he's almost impossible to rattle or, or get okay. sacked four times all year. Yeah. So how Which do you, is
4: crazy. How I mean, even for a guy that doesn't drop back. I mean, yep. four sacks.
0: I mean, how did what did Clemson's line do
4: against him? They, they didn't touch him either, did they? They had one. I looked. They yeah. had one. And I think, believe it or not, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Syracuse had two. Uh, so before that, he they, uh, they was really not getting sacked at all, and I think some of that with um, with uh, with Syracuse was kind of game script and you know having to come back and having to drop back a little bit. But when when they're doing what they wanted to do, want to do, I mean, he's the ball snapped and it's out of his hands. Like I don't even know that he's like getting his fingers on the on the laces kind of thing.
0: Well, which begs you know the question: How does Harlan Barnett play this? And and this didn't materialize last week, but. You know, the way Florida State lines up, at least on first and second down, you know, if it's not their nickel and dime, there's a 10-yard cushion on whoever's covering the slot receiver, and if you're getting the ball out that quick, that means the slot receiver is open at the snap, and so that's something that's got to be addressed this week.
4: No, I, absolutely, and, and you know, it's it, it's kind of not all that dissimilar to what I think we expected um, from Florida State's offense, you know, quick passes, uh, finding a guy in space and letting him, you know, break a tackle or, or, or make a guy miss, and then, you know, lots of... uh Lots of run after catch yardage, that sort of thing, and then of course pace. I don't know if they'll run as fast as Wake Forest, but I, I, I do think they you know they like to hurry up and and not use a huddle if they can help it. Tim,
0: Keith, and I have been deliberating with our staff here. Uh, you know we're so we've had some exhaustive staff meetings. We're so uh, down in the dumps. We're not even sure if we're going to give you a new set of rapid fire questions this week. So I'm just going to put it on the table. Would you like to be quizzed this week, or would you like a pass? Uh, no, I'll take one. All right. Well, then while we grade you from last week, I will quickly scramble to come up with eight questions over the next minute and a half. Let's listen back and see how you fared last week. Will there be a 100-yard rusher for Florida State? Nope. Will there be a 100-yard rusher for Clemson? Yes. Number of sacks by Clemson's defense over-under is uh, 3.5. Over. Number of sacks by FSU's defense, same over-under at 3.5. Under. Under. This is the 30-year anniversary of the punt, Rooski. Will there be a fake punt in this game? Yes, no. No. Number of FSU players who will throw a pass this week, over-unders one and a half. I'll go over. Will there be a phantom illegal block below the waist call against <laughs> FSU, yes or No. No. You may be aware that the Clemson Tiger gets quite a workout these days because he does uh, the same number of push-ups as points Clemson has on the board every time that they score. So I'm not looking for the cumulative total, but what's the most push-ups that the uh, Clemson Tiger will perform at one time? And I'm setting that over under at 29.5. Over or under? Over. Clemson fans rush the field every week at home. It's part of their tradition. Will FSU fans get to rush the field this week after a home game?
4: They shouldn't.
1: Holy moly. He keeps getting better and better. What do we got?
4: I wish I hadn't been so right on some of those.
1: Eight
0: and one. Eight and one should share by the way that i did send tim i send everybody the video of the tiger doing 59 push-ups i still haven't done the math you know how many cumulative push-ups did he have to do based on 7 14 plus 21 plus 28 plus 35 plus 38 somewhere around 200 isn't it i, I don't know he he was cheating but it was late in the game and uh, he had he had done a lot all right tim i have i've have quickly scrambled some questions together so uh you're ready right i'm ready let's do it and oldie buddy goodie will there be a 100 yard rusher for fsu this week no. Will Florida State sack Finley? That's just will they get one? Yes or no? No. How many new starters will there be for Florida State? Bearing in mind, you may have a new quarterback, and and Nooney's not going to start. So I'm kind of giving you that already. I'm setting the over under at three and a half.
4: Uh, are you talking about on offense or altogether?
0: Altogether, FSU's team. Will there be over under three and a half new starters? Over. I'm not going to be as simple as to say, will they have fewer than 16 penalties, because Lord knows they better. So I'm going to set that mark at eight and a half. I cut it in half, and now I'm asking you, are we going over or under eight and a half penalties by FSU? Uh, Over. There's an epic, uh, particularly if you're an NC State fan, I guess, video, and I don't remember which uh, game this was, but it's the shot of the... The uh, should be an offensive lineman guy with no shirt, maybe overalls, rooting for NC State that's in the stands, climbing the pole. You know the video. It's it's a meme. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that guy gonna we, be similarly attired and visible
4: at this week's game? I think he is similarly attired and visible every day.
0: Okay, so I'll, I'll take we were a,
4: at that game where that happened.
0: I'll take a picture of, of that and I'll send it to you. Uh, if you've never been to NC State. One of the things that's really annoying is the opponent is they play the canned wolf howl over the... Oh. Yeah. And I'm just going to... I don't know that I'm actually going to count this, but I'm going to put the over-under at 49.5 for the game. Tim, you going over or under?
4: Oh, gosh, under under who's responsible for counting that
0: i just said i was just going to give you the over and take it because that thing plays like every third down every time they score when people walk in when people re-enter the stadium at halftime which as you I mean, astutely pointed out is a crazy policy that everybody gets to leave go liquor up and come back for the third quarter Wait, you think that's what they're doing uh, they're just taking a breather as you called it uh, exactly <laughs> most importantly will fsu win
4: i think so because they have to
0: and because you're our Seminoles.com insider, there was no way to go. I left you no wiggle room. Tim, we'll talk to you <laughs> Not again Not a lot. Week. <laughs> All right, thank you. hey Timmy. Uh, he does a good job, and he continues. I thought he might take the easy way out, but he's been killing us so much on these that... Uh, his his record's up around 80%, eight, 85%. If we could get the overall winning percentage there, we'd be doing some things, huh? There you go. All right, one more segment to go. We'll do it after this. Stay with us on Front Row The
2: radio was. I was driving
1: me, back. me and Del were
2: runaway. I was flying. front row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo Georgia get your best deal the Hobson way now back to Tom and Keith <laughs> I don't mean to keep giving shout
0: outs to the Clemson Tiger, Keith, but that's sort of all we had from last week. Well,
1: Matthew behind the glass brought his trusty calculator. And Two, the, total, the total number of push ups done by the Clemson Tiger, drum roll please brrr, 299. 299
0: push ups during the game. But just, it was a bad third quarter. I, well, just about all... Real, real tough third quarter. He got extended break in the first quarter. There were no push-ups necessary. Then, you know, they got four scores in the second and and seven years. Well, no, that's a different thing. Uh, anyway, how many did you say were in the third quarter? Like 170? 170 push-ups in the third quarter. He was tired. I mean, he was... he was I got the, tired of looking at it. I, I purposely, intentionally went over there, and he was the only Clemson fan that was not excited about Clemson continuing to score. I mean, he was kind of like looking for somewhere to hide and then they get a touchdown and he's like, oh, and then he had to psych himself up for five minutes before he got down. And he was cheating on the pushups, but who wouldn't be after that many? All right. Uh. Quick public service announcement, and then uh, we'll continue with the program. Uh, we want to remind you to uh, go say hello to Ron and his staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, whether it's a do-it-yourself project, uh, whether it's uh, you need to hire somebody to do it for you, but you're going to at least get some counsel on the way. Whatever it is, uh, go see them. They can help you out, 580-1200. Visit them online at ctf.nu. They've been serving the Big Ben since 1995, couple locations to choose from. So interesting conversation today we had uh Joe Camps on and uh really good perspective about what it was like to be a part of the team when Bobby Bowden went ahead and just said all right we're seven, making some changes seven of you guys you're done and we're playing seven freshmen uh and then Tim Linnefeld who didn't listen to that conversation but uh so he did counter it with which what is true I mean the Monday morning quarterbacking in the hindsight is always twenty twenty. So if you make a bunch of changes and now you lose 59-10 four times in a row and aren't bowl eligible, well, it was the dumbest move that could ever be made. And if you make a bunch of changes uh, you, compared to if you don't make changes and somehow you muster two wins and you get bowl eligible, if that's what you're hitching it to. But I think more than that, when you make changes like that, Keith, you, you can't be uh, – you're trying to change the culture. You're not worried about the immediate
1: result. You're trying to send a message and that is both a short term and a long term message, and that's that 's difficult. there is no question, but I think tommy we 're at the point where it has to be done. I mean, you and I were sitting during the break, you know who you were asking who would we name and who would be those individuals i don 't know I, I know we're going to see some changes at the wide receiver position, uh, potentially going to see a change at quarterback, although to be fair, possibly because of injury or most likely because of injury. Do you need to make any changes at running back? I, I've been pleased with Cam and Patrick's effort and when the uh, newer guys got in. Then that brings you over to the defensive not, side. So not the result is what you're saying, right. but
0: you, you, I don't know that you'd take those two guys and put them at the top of the list and ding them for effort. Right.
1: And then you go over to the defensive side. I don't think you can fault anybody on the defensive line, uh, with, at least wholeheartedly. There may have been times, particularly when the score got out of hand. Linebackers are—we've are, been—we've been, we've been uh, just not enough bodies. Defensive backs, I guess there's enough of them. You could find fault. Uh, we found out not something we knew during the game, but we found out uh, after the game that uh, Taylor had had an injury in the first half. He tried to come back on that first series of the third quarter, and you never like to see somebody come up with the with the limp after they get beat deep. But it appears—it appears. It appears that he had been injured in the first half, mistakenly, in retrospect, tried to come back in the second half, wasn't physically able to go. But nevertheless, you can talk yourself out of doing anything by going down that, just like you need to talk yourself into doing some. Well, let's just take some chances. If I'm Harlan Barnett, you make the thing about first and second down. All right, screw it. Our base defense is now the nickel or the dime. I'm going to go with five or six defensive backs, and I'm going to make somebody run the ball down my throat before I worry about stacking the box. I'm just not going to let them beat me deep over, or through the air. And I make or, that or, change. Or beat you short because there's a 10-yard cushion on the slot exactly, receiver. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, go to, I go to man under, I go two safeties over the top, and I make somebody run the ball down my throat. Uh, that would be a change, and that would send a clear message. Um, you know, the, the issues with returning kicks – I, I can fix that real quick, okay? You're stealing the one that I was about to put on the table. I, it's, and not only that, that will cut down on a number of penalties because <laughs> <laughs> we always have a penalty on a kickoff return. Point is, this is a
0: completely easy fix. Take a fair catch and take the ball at the 25 every kickoff. I don't care what that does to the mentality. If you're saying we're conceding that we can't make this play.
1: We're conceding. You're returning kicks in 2018. We'll work on that in the spring and make a new decision in 2019. But
0: you're helping the offense by 15 years, yards of field position, and you're helping everybody mentally because now you're not starting at your own seven. You're starting at the 25. That rule is there. Uh, we've seen some teams take it against FSU. I would just take it. I would just take the 25. And by the way, you know, we didn't – we didn't the, the last week's rapid fire, we didn't go back and clarify, but we had that uh, – sort of sarcastic question about will there be a block in the back based on what happened with Freddie Stevenson two years ago Um, little did we know not only would there be a block in the back below the waist above the waist at the waist I mean we were going to check every box on illegal blocks (laughs) as it turned out Um, so but that's an easy fix on the special team side I would agree Uh, what else you got you know, going back to your comments about Harlan Barnett, you know, if we're going to look at the three segments, the defense has been the best of the bunch. Special teams have struggled, offense has struggled. Yeah, my, my, my,
1: mine's not a criticism. It's just that, you know, if you're going to make some changes, you start whittling it down, you go all the way down, you're going to maybe make some changes that you weren't wholeheartedly in, in, in favor of because you got to make enough changes to make a difference. Am I articulating that in any methodology I, at I all? think so. I think so.
0: Um, NC State's going to be angry too, and you know the w- this is how it snowballs. But everybody's looking at Florida State right now as a vulnerable, beatable team. I mean, uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier today for some reason. Even though Florida State has never lost to Duke, uh, Cutcliffe at some point, maybe at ACC Media Days this year, had commented about how annoyed he was that he didn't beat FSU last year. Because he knew, frankly, how pedestrian FSU was. Might be his only chance in recent terms. And so if you extrapolate that out, you know, we thought, well, last year Florida State was, you know, that's a one-year aberration and we'll get this thing fixed. And turns out that really what he was speaking to is that, and it's hard to say as a a Florida State guy, it's
1: a pedestrian situation for the last couple years. Here's the other thing to frame uh, the NC State game. You know, we talk about must-wins. You know, I think we can forget about wins and losses from from where i 'm going from this This is a game where you 've got to come out and fight it 's not about the scoreboard anymore remember we 've been saying almost the entire year after the virginia tech game it 's not about who you 're playing well now it 's not even about the scoreboard it 's all about effort and the one thing the one thing tommy that every football player in America at any level is can control and is in their absolute control unless they're injured is your ability to have effort that's completely controllable? doesn't matter what the scheme is doesn't matter what the score is doesn't matter where you're playing doesn't matter what year you are you completely control your own effort that's what I want to see I ain't, it's not about winning the ball game it's not about the scoreboard I want to see effort I want to see some kids laying it out with supreme effort against nc state come saturday if they don't okay then then let's pack it in play all the freshmen we're not worry about the bowl streak let's be done with it
0: i'm curious to see how the blackman dynamic factors in assuming he ends up starting based on the fact that deandre hasn't really practice this week from what we know from the standpoint that he is such a team guy I mean even you saw his quotes this week which are basically I'm thrilled to death to be alive today and get a chance to go put on the pads even if I'm going to stand on the sideline and hold a clipboard and if you had 85 guys out there that had that attitude uh, so the point being if some guys do get benched and lose their opportunity to start meanwhile you've got a team first guy who uh, coincidentally is getting an opportunity at, at quarterback uh, just kind of interesting to see how that
1: that plays out well he showed a lot of moxie last year being thrown into that starting position as a as a true freshman um he had some times he played very very well he had other times he made youthful mistakes um you know that that one you can't pin it on one play but that one particular play he did everything that we've been asking DeAndre to do more consistently he eluded the rush. Got out of the pocket, made a guy miss. He sensed the rush. He forgot that. That was before he eluded it. Very, he felt very it. excellent he point. Felt it. Excellent point. And then threw the ball with touch, threw it over a linebacker in front of a safety. Okay, now, uh, what's his face took the ball and scored with it. Keeshawn Helton, yeah, Helton. But just the pass. You know, he knew to take something off of it, get a little air under it, but then drop it in. He did everything that we're asking DeAndre to do with more consistency. It looked instinctual and not robotic mechanical, which is what I – That's probably even the better point,
0: instinctual. But it's a one-play sample size, and I tend to give coaches the benefit of the doubt on this. They're at practice every day, so they're looking at all that tape, and they know what he has or hasn't done well and what DeAndre's done better over the course of the year. I'll finish just by point now, not only would it be ironic because his very first start was against NC State in extenuating circumstances last year, but Nooney Murray really arrived on the scene two years ago at NC State when he had eight catches in that game and Florida State came back with a win. And now here, Nooney's at the center of the conversation again for the fact that he won't be starting uh, this weekend in Raleigh.
1: Well, here's another bold prediction for you. When we get together next Wednesday, we'll be a week we'll, older. We will have a Florida State
0: win. Because we're going to beat the Gators on Tuesday night? Exactly. Keith Jones is guaranteeing a season opening win for Leonard Hamilton's Knowles. If you haven't got your tickets yet, do that. Pack the tuck, 9 o'clock on Tuesday night. Uh, We will be here on Wednesday to discuss said victory. Talk to you then.